One of the most common things that I hear in the confessional, especially recently, and I'm going to speak in generalities, so I'm not breaking any uh, the seal of confession here, is people will sometimes come up to me and say, Father, I find myself getting so angry at things going on in the world. Father, I'm angry at ex-politician or Y-politician or ex-party or Y-party. I'm so angry, Father, at what they're doing or what's going on in our world. And this has come to me from every side of the political spectrum, every age and every segment of society. I'm sure there's no shortage of things going on that are wrong in our world today, but this week I was really reflecting on that phenomenon of so many of us, so many people in our world who are so angry all the time. How did we become so angry? Whom or what are we so angry about? And what feeds this seething resentment that so many of us live with. We have to begin by acknowledging that there is a place for righteous anger. It is proper to be upset, to be interiorly moved, when we see bad things happening in the world. If we wouldn't, then I would think there's something wrong with our conscience. It is proper to be angry at deeds, actions, and circumstances that are wrong. After all, even our Lord in the temple expressed his displeasure with the essential flea market that was taking place in the halls of his father's house. But our Lord did not hate the scribes and Pharisees, the people who were doing all that buying and selling, and the people who would eventually put him to death. Our Lord did not hate them. He was not angry at them. He was angry at what they were doing. And we must be able to separate the two, as our Lord did. If we cannot separate the two, if our anger over actions becomes personal, then it is excessive, it is inordinately directed, and it is sinful. The problem is, we have a society that has become addicted to anger and addicted to outrage. Dr. Gene Kim, five years ago, wrote about how anger was becoming addictive, and she's absolutely right five years after the fact. Anger produces similar dopamine rushes as drugs and gambling in our brains, to the point that anger can become its own reward. I'd say the biggest drug dealers in this new anger landscape are every talking head, every cable news show on every network, and everything that you and I consume on social media. We do not need a 24-hour news cycle. We don't have to know about every scandal, every controversy, or every outrage. We need only what is important to our particular way of life, and that's it. For me, I pay attention to church stuff, the St. Louis Cardinals and the St. Louis Blues. That is what <laughs> pertains directly to my life. No, I'm serious. <laughs> but honestly, beyond that, I don't like to watch the news. There are so many peddlers of outrage 
and of anger who write articles and stories only to get people upset. Because anger is incredibly potent. It spurs us. It gets us going. It drives us. And it fires us up. And it's gotten to the point that when so many of us go to watch the news, we aren't there to look for things important to our lives. We're only there to find something so angry and outrageous that we'll click on an article or post something about it on Facebook. It arouses the mind in the same ways as impure and immoral images and videos. The manipulation to us is the same. We've become, we've become dwellers of silos, more entrenched each and every day, outraged by anything and everything outside of it or beyond the confines of it. And everything feeds this, what we consume and what we post, to the point that we are no longer capable of seeing the good in one another. We're no longer capable of forgiving one another. Anger can create a feeling of moral superiority that, if unchecked, can be poisonous to our souls. We lose our ability to pick battles. Brothers and sisters, every single controversy is not worthy of our emotional investment. Instead, we just pick every single battle and go full bore. To the point that anger in our society becomes, in the words of Macbeth, sound and fury signifying nothing. And God knew this. God knew that this was wrong for us. He knew that it was bad for us. It's why Sirach wrote in our first reading, Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. We must overcome sinful anger with meekness and with forgiveness, brothers and sisters. Christ commanded it of his disciples, and that command, therefore, extends to us. Anger and hatred of one another impedes our ability to forgive, so we must rid it from our lives. We must seek freedom from anger and from resentment. And freedom, brothers and sisters, means our ability to do what is good. And so when we are free from a sin, we are, it means that evil no longer hinders our quest for goodness and holiness. So if we are to be free from anger and resentment, it means no longer letting someone else's actions impede our charity or impede our goodwill toward them. And sure, we can express our disagreement with one another, but it cannot and must not take away from our goodwill. We mustn't lose charity. So how can we be free from this anger? Well, I want to challenge you to do something. Take a week and don't watch the news. So don't do it. Maybe even stay off of Facebook too. Take a break from it. It's the same reason our Lord told his disciples, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And if what we consume is poisonous to our spiritual well-being, we must get rid of the poison. And at the end of that week, just reflect on how free you are, how much more at peace you are, not having a little more anger in your life. Brothers and sisters, no one should live with anger in their lives. 
It's not healthy. It's a constant shackle that confines us and holds us captive to our base emotions and leads us to sin. May we listen to the voice of Christ today and seek understanding rather than outrage and compassion rather than conflict, that we might be freed from anger, wrath, or anything else that prevents us from seeing the good in one another.